so imagine for a moment that you had to prove to someone that you are really alive. I don't mean like proving that you're, you're really awake and paying attention like to your teacher or to me while I'm preaching. I'm talking about, I mean, proving you are not dead. A few years ago, that's exactly what happened with, with Charles Hubbard. This Vietnam uh, War veteran received a letter in the mail from the Department of Veteran Affairs informing him that he had died. Not only that, but his family had to pay back over $5,000 in, in benefits. Because the VA thought he was dead, they closed his checking account. Now, after reassuring his daughters and granddaughters that he was very much still alive, Mr. Hubbard assumed it would be simple procedure to do the same with the government. He realized that someone had stolen his identity. However, even after making a pretty convincing case that he was still alive, the VA informed him that it would take up to eight months to be officially brought back to life. That's when they would restore his pension. It didn't take Jesus eight months to be brought back to life. It took three days. However, in his many resurrection appearances to his disciples, Jesus still has to prove that He's really alive and that he's really alive. He has to show that he's not just some ghost or spirit or apparition, that there, there is more there than meets the eye, that he has been raised from the dead with a physical, though transformed, body. And that this physical resurrection matters. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning's reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. Listen for God's word. Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands and feet. It's, it's really me. Touch me and see, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. As he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Because they were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness. He said to them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending you what my father promised, but you are to stay in the city until you have been furnished with heavenly power. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in case you haven't learned by this point, it's like scripture is pretty clear that the risen Christ is really hard for his followers to get a handle on. And yet he makes himself physically available to them. Two weeks ago, 
We, we read about how Mary Magdalene thinks he's the gardener at first until he calls out her name, at which point she, she gives him a big bear hug and he says, don't, don't hold on to me yet. Go, go and tell uh, my disciples that I've risen. And last week we read about how Jesus came and stood amongst his disciples who were hiding behind locked doors and showed them his hands and his side. And then he did the same thing again a week later for Thomas, showing him his hands and his side. You can't hug a ghost, but you can a physical body. A spirit doesn't have hands inside to, to touch, but a physical body does. In today's scripture passage, Jesus makes yet another resurrection appearance. Two followers have returned to Jerusalem and are with the other 11 disciples, telling them about their encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Emmaus. While they're sharing, suddenly Jesus stands among them and they are absolutely freaked. They're terrified. They think they're seeing a ghost. Now, by thinking the risen Jesus is a ghost, the disciples either misunderstand the nature of resurrection or or thought that a spirit and not Jesus was deceiving them. Either way, Jesus knows he needs to clarify the nature of resurrection and confirm its reality. So again, he shows them his hands and his feet. Touch me, he says, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. And then I, I, I love this part. Because the disciples were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness. Isn't that a great line? Jesus takes it a a step further and he shows them his digestive system. Do you have anything to eat? And they give him a piece of fish. Jesus takes it and he eats it in front of them. Ghosts can't eat tilapia. So so what does it mean that our, our risen Savior has taste buds and a digestive tract? What does it mean that he really wants to make sure that we understand that he is not a ghost but has a real body, even if it's a new kind of body? Because this is not just about food or digestion or hands or feet. This is more even than just a reassurance to his disciples. This is about God showing us that resurrection is not about a ghostly escape from a damaged world, but a transformation and renewal of it. Resurrection is not about a ghostly escape from a damaged world, but a transformation and renewal of it. Here's the reality. Like the disciples, the church, many times perhaps without even realizing it, the church has often misunderstood Jesus' resurrection. We've essentially relegated the risen Christ to some kind of ghost or apparition or spirit or metaphor, like, just like Jesus was trying to get the disciples to avoid doing. Because of this, and at the same time, Jesus' resurrection for many has become mostly about a God providing a way for us to escape from this messed up physical world into some spiritual heavenly realm when we die. And we see this manifest in several ways. First, think think of some of the ways that that life and death get talked about. Maybe even at some funerals. We're souls trapped in bodies and physical reality until we're freed by death. Right? 
Like it says, all of us are sojourners here and exiles and strangers. The soul is an exile and a wanderer which has left heaven for earth and life on earth as on an island, buffeted by the seas, imprisoned within the body like an oyster in its shell. Except that's not from the Bible. That's from a pagan priest of the shrine of Adelphi named Plutarch, a famous Greek Platonist philosopher of the first century. But doesn't that sound so familiar? Maybe even comfortingly familiar? But that is not resurrection, friends. That's not what first century Christians believed. That's not what the Bible teaches happens because of Jesus' resurrection. That flies in the face, actually, of a, of, a, of a risen Savior going to such great length to show that he was physically raised from the dead. Jesus wasn't physically raised from the dead for us to escape and float away from our bodies in this physical world that God doesn't apparently care about anymore. Jesus was physically raised as the first part of what God was going to be doing with all creation, restoring and renewing it. You know, the, the other big way that this ghost treatment of Jesus' resurrection shows up is actually in our mission and vocation in the world. If Jesus' resurrection is just about souls floating away from earth into heaven, then why care about the earth and bodies and creation at all? If what is physical doesn't matter to God, then why bother with things like justice, the environment, health care, poverty, inequality? If, if God's just going to let the earth go to hell while some fortunate human souls are allowed to escape thanks to Jesus, what's the good in that? Where's the hope? And what about our bodies? And what about all the things that are not okay, not right in the world? The epidemic of gun violence, systemic racism, etc., etc. Will there be no restoration, no renewal or justice? It's a pretty, pretty narrow, self-centered hope. If Jesus merely escaped and left his body behind in the tomb and, and we're just going to do the same then we're robbed of the, of the base and power of our task to bring concrete signs of hope and renewal to this present world. From the beginning, friends, we see a creator God who created a physical world, good and, and beautiful. And this world was damaged by sin and evil, and yet God did not abandon it. Instead, God set about to restore it from within God not only called creation good, God became a creature in Jesus Christ. The God who took on human flesh in Jesus, and then the God who raised Jesus bodily from the dead, is not a God deciding to abandon physical creation and not care about our bodies or the material world. If God just, just wanted to pluck human souls from creation, why raise Jesus bodily from the dead? Resurrection occurred within this physical world, not apart from it. Its results should therefore also be felt within this created world, not apart from it. We also see a God of justice. I mean, Scripture insists God cares passionately about putting right what is wrong, to make straight what is crooked, to turn right side up what's upside down, to make all sad things come untrue, to repair and rebuild everything that's broken and torn down. Simply removing something does not repair it. If God is a good creator, and if God will at last put everything to right, 
then Jesus' physical resurrection is going to be the result because it affirms the goodness of creation and, in, and it is the beginning of God transforming the whole world and putting all the wrongs to right. Picture, picture in your mind's eye a ceramic vase that is just so beautifully stunning that it takes your breath away. And now imagine that, that beautiful vase smashed and broken into tiny pieces, dozens upon dozens, all over the ground. Totally ruined, right? Once beautiful, now just in shards. In Japan, potters have practiced what is called kintsugi, which means golden joinery. And it's a restorative technique. Using this technique, Japanese potters take a broken vessel of pottery and repair it with gold lacquer so that it's restored and transformed, not just to its original state, but to an even more beautiful condition. That's a picture of Jesus' resurrection and what it means. Jesus' resurrected body was a transformation of his old one. What God did with Jesus, God will one day do with us and with the whole of creation, taking the physical reality, what has been broken and smashed to pieces from bodies and lives to systems and nature itself, transforming and making right so that they and we are renewed to even more beautiful than before. God doesn't just snatch away a few pieces of what's broken and leave the rest unrestored. Abuse, racism, loneliness, depression, cancer, despair, poverty, violence, sickness, death, injustice, human damage to God's world made right and renewed. I don't know about you, but I need a God who resurrects bodies. Not just because I am a body, but because I need a God who honors what God has made, who sees the damage, like just this week, and yet declares that all that has been taken, all that's been broken, mistreated, forgotten, will be restored and renewed one day even better. The guarantee of that? The risen Christ and what his resurrection unleashed in the world. When Jesus showed the disciples his hands and his feet and he ate a fish in front of them, he was saying something profound. God cares about bodies. God cares about God's created world. And this, me being bodily resurrected, is showing you what God is ultimately up to. Renewing everything. And here's the implication for us right now. Jesus' resurrection is not just an escape plan to heaven one day, but a basis and power for mission right now. As theologian N.T. Wright says, resurrection is designed not to take us away from this earth, but rather to make us agents of transformation of this earth. Now I want to be very clear here. This does not mean that we are in some kind of weird limbo when we die. Jesus tells the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So in some wonderful way, when we die, we dwell with and behold Jesus. And that is a glorious truth. But it's not our final destination. 
it's a temporary place of bliss and rest while we await bodily resurrection in God's new world. Or as we say in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. On earth. Because just notice what Jesus does after eating the fish. Does he say, since I have been raised from the dead, sit back, relax, wait for your souls to float away one day? No. Since I have been raised, essentially, you have a job to do. (laughs) These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I'm sending to you what my father promised. But you are to stay in this city until you have been furnished with power. Jesus, showing them his physical resurrected body goes hand in hand with his subsequent mission for the disciples mission connected to resurrection not immortality of the soul his resurrection is about transformation and so he calls his followers to do and be about real transformative work they will be furnished with we are furnished with the very power that raised jesus from the dead to be a part of the renewing work God began in raising Jesus from the dead. Jesus' bodily resurrection within the created world gives life and power to an embodied mission for us, God's renewed people, within this same world. What we do now for God's kingdom matters and will last on into God's new world when God finally restores everything. We've got news to live and share. So what would, what would you do to prove you were really alive? Would you eat fish? Jesus did. And because he was so intentional about showing us that he was physically raised from the dead, we should probably pay attention He was showing us that his resurrection didn't mean a ghostly escape from the world. Instead, it meant a new embodied life in God's renewed and transformed world. It meant God was up to a complete renewal of everything. And we have a part to play. And so maybe maybe the best way to show that we're really alive is to operate with the power of Jesus' resurrection. And the work that he calls us to do. Make disciples. Transform the world. Even as we anticipate with hope that day when all will be transformed. And we with resurrected bodies will live in the new heavens and the new earth with Jesus. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll even share some fish with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.